It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. This week, we're keeping the inspiration train rolling by spotlighting another fantastic female being the change she wants to see in the world. And you can do a little bit of that yourself just by rating and reviewing Casually Baked on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That small act of support can have a meaningful impact in helping others find this high-vibe content, which can make a huge difference in normalizing the Cannabis for Wellness lifestyle and moving the needle towards federal legalization of our favorite plant. Yes, please, and thank you. Shadi Ramey is an accomplished hemp innovator and thought leader combining her talents as a chef, product developer, and citizen of the world to raise awareness about the power of hemp. Shadi's master's degree in cultural anthropology and her nearly two decades of experience as a plant-based chef paved the way for cultivating a global and culinary interest in hemp. Her dynamic approach to hemp food and nutrition has earned her distinction in both the cannabis and culinary industries. Shadi believes that how we choose to nourish ourselves is the foundation of all things. And just in time for the holidays, her new cookbook, Hemp Can Change the World, makes its debut. In my adult life, food, travel, and cannabis have been the trifecta for building meaningful connections. So when Shadi reached out to me, her story felt familiar, though beautifully unique. In this podcast, we'll explore hemp as nutrition, food as a foundation for connection, 
and the highly responsible considerations we make for our own bodies, families, and Mother Earth. So smoke them if you got them, and settle in for this tasty exploration of our favorite plant. It's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke. Shadi, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy we're doing this. Yes, we've tried several times. You know, we've had some technical difficulties, but I feel like, you know, we've gotten really close now. I feel like this is going to be (laughs) true to the name. This is going to be a perfect casual chat. Love it. You know, we talk a lot on the show about hemp for sustainability hemp as medicine, but I'm excited to dive in with you today on hemp as nutrition and also the the unique role that food plays in bringing people together. So let's first dive in and talk about the magnificence of hemp as a complete food. Yeah, I believe that hemp is really the high vibe nutrition that we've been waiting for. Um, I think that there's a lot of talk, you know, all the time about different superfoods and hemp really, really does encompass functional nutrition, a high vibe diet, a high vitality plan. That's, that's what hemp can provide for us um, on a nutritional basis. And so I'm really happy um, to be connecting with you and talking about that today. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, they might be going like, what the hell is a complete food? One of the characteristics of something that is a complete food is that when it encompasses the nine essential amino acids, and hemp does that, hemp actually contains 18 amino acids. And so it it really is like one of the very best um, ways that we can nourish ourselves, which um, I really feel like is missing in our culture. I mean, one thing that I really, I'm really proud of about the book is, and I didn't start out with this intention, I wanted to write a cookbook on hemp. And and I think this, and I I love the smoothies and the salad sprinkle. I think that's amazing. And I also really wanted to take it up like a thousand notches from there and make these like really beautiful, um, super delicious dishes that were based on hemp. And I think that, you know, certainly in this time um, on humanity, when we're, when there's a virus and, you know, it's like change all of our lives so much, like one of the best things we can do is like nourish our own vitality on a daily basis. And on a physiological level, doing that with hemp, I think is, is an excellent way to work towards that goal. Yes, absolutely. And uh, what are some of your favorite everyday uses of hemp as nutrition? Because you've been at this for a while. So what are the places in your everyday life where you're incorporating it? During the growing season, one of my favorite ways to incorporate it into my daily vibration is with a juice in the morning. Um, I think starting your day with a juice is super powerful. Not to say that, you know, if I could have one right now, that would be great and even into the evening. But I think that juicing cannabis is really, really an excellent food and and then putting it together with other plants. Um, And then I like to bake there's a lot of baking in the cookbook. There's definitely like one big chapter and then there's also a dessert chapter and baking is something that I, I really, really love. And I, I feel good about baking with hemp because, you know, I've taken something like, you know, a muffin on its own generally probably doesn't really actually provide any nutrition. 
So being able to incorporate hemp into baked goods to feed my family is something that I, that I really like doing. And I do that uh, almost on a daily basis. Um, and then I really like um, having hemp every day on a salad, but not necessarily with sprinkling, but like also with making like a hemp seed based oil, uh, hemp seed oil based dressing. Um, that's, I think, also one of the ways that I, I really love incorporating it in. And um, depending on not every day, but many days, I like to take like a, a full spectrum hemp extract. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, the, you know, the idea of having the hemp seed oil available for cooking, what are the the qualities of hemp seed oil? Is it better to just use it for a dressing? What about heating it? What happens you don't then? Really- bad things. Okay. That's what I thought. All right. Yeah. In, in, in the same vein of like heating olive oil, honestly, to pass a certain temperature creates free radicals and free radicals are really have a big role in like in cancer. And so we want to mitigate the amount of free radicals that we consume. And so we don't want to eat ever really heat hemp seed oil. It has like no smoke level at all. Perfect. Using it as an accent. And what's the shelf life of it? Um, shelf life. I mean, that's not my area of expertise. Okay. I, I have my own rules on shelf life. I don't really follow. I'm not really into shelf life. I think that shelf life mentality is, and I, I know you weren't saying it like this, but in general, I think American, the American diet and this idea of like some things like have an insane shelf life, <laughs> like really scary and weird, even like, um, yeah. So shelf life for me for hemp seed oil is like, three to six months, even the, even the six months I think is pushing it, like opening a jar and like forgetting about it in your fridge for months, I think is, isn't really a good, a good thing to do. I think it's good to like be really picky about the hemp seed oil that you purchase, ask a lot of questions from the companies that you're supporting and then have it as a raw food and, and consume it fresh, like within, within a month or two really. Yeah. And I think it's an important distinction and I think it's important to talk about because you're right. A lot of the stuff in a grocery store that has this super long shelf life, that's because it's processed and there's all kinds of fake shit in it to keep it shelf stable. But when, you know, I lived in Italy for a while and, you know, you want your balsamic vinegar to age, but you don't want your olive oil to age. You want to use it in its freshness. And so I think a lot of people, they tend to sit on things and hold on to them longer because there is an idea of something aging and getting better. But I wanted to definitely make the distinction that, you know, some of these oils, that's not the move. Yeah, no, I agree. And I I think the, the idea of something aging and getting it better is like certainly the exception and not the norm when we're talking about food. And I think that I believe in general, there's just like a little bit too much trust on the, on the behalf of a consumer when purchasing anything that we eat or put on our bodies for that matter. But, but yeah, that's probably another show. Yeah. (laughs) Eat your, eat your hemp seed oil fresh. Yes. So, okay. One of the things I'm just curious about. So my sister always makes sprouts, all kinds of different sprouts. If you grow hemp or you have actual hemp seeds that aren't like the shelled hemp hearts, can you make hemp sprouts? You absolutely can make hemp sprouts. They're so delicious. I need some of that in my life. Yeah. I mean, there's like lots of, I think a lot of 
time people make sprouting like really complicated and it's it's really not complicated at all. I mean, I took a, a 10 week herbal class with like one of my absolute mentors in life. And I, we, we just started sprouting like in uh, basically in a really uh, shallow baking dish with soil instead of water. And it's super easy and delicious. And it's like one of the best things you can do for yourself is have some sprouts every day have it even just some like it has so it contains all the potential of a seed yes yeah 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 sprouts are amazing and so whenever we maybe I think the best thing to do might be to um, include in the show notes links to some of your favorite products that you vetted everybody can't go out and grow the hemp to create the seeds to make the sprouts. So like, where's a good place to purchase hemp seeds and like your favorite hemp hearts and that sort of thing? Would you be open to sharing that with us? Yeah, I'm going to be somewhat open. I definitely have like, there's a hemp protein company that I really like and we can give them a discount code and it also has CBD in it. And I trust them. I like only chose one company to even discuss that with. And yeah, I can, I can put together a list. I mean, I'm still kind of like choosing who those people are and, and vetting them and making sure I want to, that I vibe with them. Um, but I'm happy to, to do some of that. Certainly. Totally. So you mentioned high vibe foods early on. What are some of your other favorite high vibe foods that people should be adding to their shopping list? Um, well, I don't want to shit over anyone because, <laughs> you know, but I people could, I, what could people, people? Could. people? Yeah. I mean, this whole idea of high vibe food is, is really, I think, unique to my book <laughs> and kind of the work I'm doing. And I think, I think high vibe, um, when I think of high vibe and what I include is nettles, mm-hmm. dandelion, turmeric, cannabis, obviously hemp, um, yeah, I think those are like my top, my top four or five are eating those plants as, as often as possible. Yes. And, and those I'm, rhizomes. Okay. Talk a little bit about rhizomes. I'm just specifically talking about turmeric, but also ginger. They contain a lot of serious nutritional power. That's what they, that's their gift. And so for us to consume that on a daily or every other day, if daily seems too overwhelming for everyone, be like, okay, well, I didn't get turmeric today or ginger. It's just like, let's just go for every other day. Shoot, if we're just starting out, like, let's just go for twice a week. But that's that would be amazing to incorporate those things. So yeah, I'm a big fan, fan of rhizomes. I also like grew up eating one of the foods I think is like the best for just like your immunity and health as like from Persian which is my background for my, both my mom and my father are both Persian, like Persian folk medicine. In that tradition, turnips, which are tubers, those are like super, super powerful. And so we grew up like eating steamed turnips all through the winter. That's like something my mom would, we would always do. So I think turnips are, are really up there and they're, they're things like most people scoff at and they don't eat them. Um, they think they're icky, but they're like an amazing, like they're like a medicinal functional food, like right there at the top of like my high vibe for winter checklist. All right. I dig it. And I don't eat enough turnips. I didn't grow up eating them and they were something that I tried to substitute, you know, the potatoes that we all love and try to do turnips instead. Maybe I can mix both together and kind of like a kid sneak it into my meal. Well, well, yeah. And I mean, and then this whole notion of sneaking, 
like I'm glad you brought it up because there is the notion of sneaking and I do sneak things in like when I'm like baking is a really good way. When I make soup, soup is like to me is like the most medicinal food that we can make. Really true medicine is when you can make like the really a game pot of soup. But um, I think like a turnip, if you, you know, you taste it, it might be like a little bitter, but in Ayurveda, it's really great. There's like these seven different tastes that are like on our tongue and there's actually a map of your tongue and it shows like the different areas, salty, bitter, sweet, all this. And it's important in Ayurveda to actually taste things. So I'm from a different school than that kind of hiding it. I think that's great. And that works for kids or I mean for adults too, like to hide it. But I think it's also really good to be like, to taste the turnip and the different parts of it, maybe the ones that you're not really familiar with, or they're triggering a different part of your, your flavor profile that you're not used to having and that you didn't like breed in your early days, but those actually trigger different physiological aspects in your body. Yeah. The, the, ta- the taste does. I get it. I get it. That's the spirituality of the food. That makes sense to me. But it's also physical that those taste centers So I just wanted to mention that too. Yeah. And I would probably add beets to that list. Anything that can just stain my hands, stain my countertop, make me have a maroon colored poop. Like that's some powerful (laughs) shit. That's amazing. (laughs) That's what you want. Yeah, that's what you want. I mean, yeah, beets are so, so good for you. So good for your blood. Um, I'm really into like chakras and different foods for your chakras. And yeah, first chakra is red and the muladhara. And so for us to ground and especially like with lots of stress, like on the planet and during this time, like eating beets is really good for like just grounding, really grounding in. And I think a lot of us could, could benefit from that. Yeah. So do you cover things like this in your book, Hemp Can Change the World? I don't really cover it. Um, it, There's like different pieces of me sprinkled throughout the book, of course, and the recipes. And so, for example, there's Manipura Chakra smoothie. And so in there, each recipe, there's over 60, has like a title and then like a little story and then the ingredients and the instructions. And so in this Manipura Chakra smoothie, there's a story of the Manipura and what that is. And yeah, so there's little sprinkles of kind of like the Ayurvedic part of, of who I am are, are certainly in the book. I love that. So tell me a little bit, uh, just some of the highlights of the book that you're most excited about. I'm honored like at the beginning that um, Winona LaDuc wrote the foreword. That's something I'm like really, I'm, I feel super honored and just feel really grateful for that. And that's, you know, the foundation and the root chakra of the book is the foreword. So that's um, been really special. Uh, I just, what I, when I look at the book right now, when I'm sitting there, it's with me like all the time. <laughs> it's like my buddy. Uh-huh. So like when I look at the book, I, I feel really proud of the hemp paper. It's printed on hemp paper. And I like to, again, kind of, you know, I started with this, this intention um, really in 2017 to write the book and the way that it's evolved and, and the way that, you know, it's like, I think that the thing I'm most proud of is that it is like a dissemination of information to empower people so that they can 
increase their own vitality so that maybe they're cleaning up their kitchen a little bit and getting rid of like toxic ingredients or, um, and they're like setting the, setting the stage for the high vibe kitchen. So there's this like call to action about how like we vote with our dollars and who we support and kind of like really, really big concepts, like more of this like activist piece that are, that are part of the book. And then the recipes, of course, like I am like proud of all of those. Like I love, I love all of them. And some recipes obviously got cut out and that was also really, really hard to do because I could just keep going on and on for the recipes and lots of recipes in there that people would never expect for there to be hemp. Like for example, hemp mushroom chili. Yeah. Texas ch- chili vibe, that kind of chili where, so, you know, where it's like, it's all vegan and it's made with like shiitake mushrooms and hemp. And there's lots of, of stuff like that where you would kind of turn your head and be like, what? And, you know, and then, yeah. And then things from different places in the world, either that I've been to or that I've studied or that had like an ancient relationship with cannabis that I wanted to talk about. I love that. And you being an anthropologist uh, and, you know, going on all of your adventures, you got to live firsthand food's unique role in bringing people together. And I feel like a lot of what you were just talking about with the cookbook, those big ideas are things that we need to be discussing over the dinner table with the people that we love and we care about and, you know, how we can live a more sustainable life, how we can support companies that are supporting our planet. So um, I'd like to, you know, transition into that idea and curious off the top of your head, if, if there's a favorite food and family memory that you have that kind of sparked your interest or inspired you to um, really get into food. Um, I didn't become a chef until like, like way later in my life, like even after I had been to graduate school and had a, you know, got a master's in anthropology and that's what I was doing. And so they, they're not connected in that way, but they've had like a really big profound effect on my life as a chef. Um, and that is like, it's, it's certainly I can remember and it's not one specific memory. It's this general memory of, the women in my family like coming together these beautiful persian intense persian women and like taking so much time to make these really beautiful meals i mean i didn't have wonder bread <laughs> until i like escaped my mom's like rule and and was in college and ate white bread yeah she didn't let us have any of that like we didn't grow up like that and the meals were like very labor not all of them but like certainly for holidays like they really threw down and the food was like there was so much intention and attention to what they were making and it was like such an amazing experience and like I've seen almost nothing like that like in in American culture, which, which I think is why like farm to table is like so big because it gives people a sense of that, like slow food, you know, this whole idea of slow food. But for me, my memory that is the greatest about food was that food was always slow and it was always organic. And that's the way it was with them. And it was amazing. And so when I did become a chef, I'm a self-taught chef. And so it was a process. And when I started, you know, really connecting with food in these different ways, I was so inspired by um, those memories growing up. And that's, they also permeate like all of my live events and my own farm to table events and different events that I 
that I curate and put on is because like really being like an amazing Persian host, hostess. That's where I got all that from is, is from my the Persian elder women in my family. I love that so much. One of my good girlfriends is Persian. And when we have our little monthly, you know, girl get togethers or whatever, we all want her to bring her potato salad. It's <laughs> the best. And it, I, I mean, it's just like there's so much love. And like you said, intention and attention that goes into this food. And I mean, it's, it's insane how much we love this. And of course, you know, it's just also different than the food we were used to. And that was one of the things that informed a lot of my experience in Italy was, you know, I moved somewhere where I didn't know anyone and I didn't speak the language. And I found a lot of my connection and learnings ended up happening around food and around a dinner table and, you know, the me learning bits of the language that was happening in a kitchen, helping, you know, to prepare a meal and learning how to cook and, you know, learning what different words meant in a show and tell type fashion. And so I have a, a lot of love for, um, you know, food's role in bringing people together. And so, you know, at some point I would love to attend one of your immersive culinary experiences. Walk us through one of those to give people an idea of what that might look like. And I love everything you just said. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's beautiful. And and I feel the same way. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the one I'll talk about is the one that's happening next, which is on 4-17-2021, which is when we're, I'm going to kick off my cookbook tour. And it's going to be in San Francisco. And it is a, like a cush journey. So what we're going to do is we are going to explore the Kush regions of the world through food, music, and cannabis. And so that's, I mean, I am a Kush person, like I am from the Kush and so is is cannabis. (laughs) So, so it's, it's really beautiful. I mean, it's not really like something, it's like very rare and special experience. And so that's the kind of stuff I'm really into. I'm really into like just layers. I'm into like five course um, farm dinners, um, with different themes. And so, um, yeah, so we're kicking off this tour right for 420 weekend. And also for that, there's, um, part of the experience that I'm interested in creating is, is one that like gives back to community. And so for that night, um, 11% of that evening is going to the last prisoner project. So we'll come together, we'll explore the Kush. We'll have this like amazing, um, experience for all of our senses and come together around cannabis. Hopefully after we can, you know, f- travel more after COVID and, um, and then give back to this amazing cause. That's, that's what I'm doing. And that's what a lot of my experiences are like. Oh yeah. I am marking my calendar. I am not going to miss that event. And I have enough, awesome. pl- I have enough time to plan for it. Totally. So the other, love it. the other cool thing about your events that I love is that they are zero waste. Um, you know, sustainability is one of the foundations of everything that you do. So talk about some easy decisions that we can make when we are hosting someone or whatever. How do we create a zero waste experience? Well, I think that the first, we just have to want to do that. And you just decided to do that. The positive side of COVID is that we get to like have these experiences together right now. We don't have, we're not traveling. We're not 
we're not creating all this carbon footprint right now. But before, I mean, I would like when I think one of the most disappointing things I've seen in the cannabis industry is like conferences with so much trash and not recycling and people don't compost and it's not organic and it's like crappy food. So I think that the first the first piece of zero waste is just committing to make having a zero waste event, period. Number one. Number two is how are you going to address with the different streams that are created through your event, which is actual things that have to go to the landfill. And those are like there is no exception for that. You have the trash. Mm-hmm. And then the second layer is the recycling, you know, so that you would recycle everything. And then the third layer really for zero waste is that you would compost. So you would have, you know, for imagination's sake, like a green bin for compost, a blue bin for recycling, and the black bin for the landfill. And that's how you you do a zero waste event with having the intention ahead of time to try to create so that you have the least amount of trash even for your black bin because that's like inevitable that you're going to have some trash. Yeah, and I think it you know? it also comes down to knowing where to look for products that are, you know, reasonably priced but that will do the job because you know a lot of times when you're hosting people you can get stuff that's compostable, but it's not always like good enough quality where, you know, someone's not cutting a hole through the bottom of the plate or something. So yeah, I wouldn't call those zero waste though. See, that's where I, I have like a really big problem with those compostable. Since you're bringing it up, yes, it's like let's we talk about it. Everybody. Yes. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. So I had a company before, whatever it was called Organalicious. And I made these like vegan dips and spreads, like started at the farmer's market in Boulder. And then like, you know, whatever that evolved and sold that company. But when I had that company, I was really into carbon footprint from a business, from a startup. And so I got turned on to those compostable containers and I was using those for my products. And then, and then one of the directors was like, you know what, I really want you to do some research on that. And I was kind of irritated and then, but I respected him. So I did. And what I found out then was that they would grow GMO corn in Nebraska Uh, and then they would ship that to China and then that is all manufactured Chinese production which God us only knows what that's like yeah really and then being shipped back here holy shit so people like in Boulder feel really good I mean like I don't really do it as much now because I'm older and I don't wait, like waste time trying to convert anybody or even preach that much at all because it's not worth my energy but you know it's just a lot of people feel good about things like that and those actually have a horrible carbon footprint and they're not those don't compost in someone's backyard compost you actually have to put it like in a green bio bag and then like you have to take it to a certain place it has to be put through this industrial compostable system to be able to actually break that stuff down yeah this is important information so it's better if you want to have a zero waste event, for example, at the the dinner that I'm gonna we're gonna meet up at and have like a big fat hug and a big fat giant. <laughs> yeah, is <laughs> is um you know we're gonna we're like I'm super big into just using mason jars and and glass and my company like we just that's just something that we invest in, you know. And for dinners, like I don't work hard to make like the best organic delicious food I can have to serve it on plastic or that compostable weird paper. Like, I don't do that. That's what I'm talking so, about. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And then, like, we would comp, like, we will buy from local farms and we will compost 
everything we can. If we really have it together and we have somebody on our team, like we'll take all of our stuff the next day to a farm and feed the chickens and the pigs. Like we do stuff like that all the time. That's that's like better than zero waste. So that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. It's like more inconvenient, it's more costly, and it's the right thing to do. And at this point with what's happening with life on the planet, climate crisis, people should be like taxed and fined and in trouble for even using styrofoam. Like we need to, that shouldn't even be allowed. Like we need to really show up for the planet right now. And that's I'm getting like fired up, but that's part of my events. They they all are to the absolute best level of zero waste, organic, local, way beyond livable wage, like all of those things that actually what real sustainability means. That's what I'm doing. I love that. And I think this right now, you know, we are coming up on the holiday season. And so I would like to challenge people to create their own zero waste family events and, you know, think about creating an immersive culinary experience for your family, even cooking something from Shadi's cookbook, you know, Hemp Can Change the World, buying that book for your favorite home chef, your mom, whoever, and coming to the party, serving a dish from that cookbook, and then giving that as a gift. Like, I like to think of ways that we can educate people and make them want to be better, but do it in a way that where it's edutaining, if you will, kind of like this show. <laughs> <laughs> Love edutaining. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I'm honestly going to miss the most about like the holiday, not, not the most, but like for my work life and being affected by COVID is like, I love teaching cooking classes during the holidays. It's so fun to connect with complete strangers and go into their kitchen. I mean, it's like to someone that might be a nightmare, but like to me, it's like something that I love. And then like, it's like, you know, there's some tunes on and we're going to have a class and we're going to use pomegranate and, and somag and za'atar and like just have a blast and connect over food and, and talk about culture and, and like really enrich our lives. And so, yeah, it's a great call to action to, to do those things like this holiday season. Like that's an awesome way to spend your time. And the other thing too, you know, when we get together with family and there's a lot of people, it's so easy to pull out the paper plates and serve yeah. people that way. And, you know, one of the things I do every morning is I do my dishes from the night before, because when I lived in Italy, I learned that that can wait. You know, we're, we're here to enjoy each other and let our food settle and like, we're not doing dishes till tomorrow. And so dishes can be a very meditative thing. And, you know, it's one of the things where maybe that's your contribution to your family. Like, listen, I want to eat on real plates and drink out of real glassware and I'm committed to doing dishes. I'll load the dishwasher. I'll do whatever. But like you said, you know, you don't try to have a zero waste event. You either do it or you don't. Do it or don't, but do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Love it. I couldn't agree more. Yes. Yeah, so, okay, you mentioned the cooking class. And one of the things that you had um, mentioned to doing for the Casually Baked listeners is a PDF book and a cooking class combo. Tell me, tell me about that. Yes. Um, the cooking class is a class that I put together for increasing your vitality with hemp. 
um, and, and eating high vibe. And people will, would get a link, will get a link on Vimeo and they can have that class. And so that's a really, really great gift, honestly. And then to get that combo, yes, with the book, that is, and then we will be giving um, 11% off actually for the Casually Baked listeners. Very cool. I like it. Is there anything that maybe I didn't ask you that is important to the conversation or that you're really fired up about that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think um, the one thing that we didn't talk about is that the entire project is carbon neutral. Again, I feel like it's really important to like walk the talk. And so that's what's happening with the book. So the book's printed on hemp paper, but basically what we're doing is we have a log of the carbon in tons, T-O-N-N-E-S, that we create through the project, whether that be the actual printing part of it, um, flying to different events, um, shipping. So all of that gets basically like a cost, have you, like a cost of carbon. And then what we're doing to offset that carbon, which is where the carbon finance is through a project in Uganda um, where we will be replacing toxic kerosene stoves with non-toxic stoves. So that's like a really big part of the project. And it's really, really important to me. Um, I'm really happy to be doing that. And I think that's what I, I wanted everybody to know is the, the carbon neutrality of it. And um, I think it's really great to be able to support projects like that. Um, so basically when people purchase the book this holiday season, they will actually be helping A, replace these toxic kerosene stoves for women. And also oftentimes in Uganda, women are actually wearing their babies when they're cooking. And so they're both being exposed to those horrible toxic kerosene. Um, so that and... Um, then it will also be removed from the atmosphere. And then it will also, again, be affecting the carbon by creating none. I love that. It, yeah. So that's that's my big takeaway. It's so, it's so thoughtful. And I appreciate that so much. And I feel like you and I both would agree that, you know, food and travel and cannabis have been like this trifecta for heart connection and for trying to show up and be better for the other living, breathing things on this planet and our planet. And I love that you've kind of brought all of these things together in a way that is very accessible for everybody. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you very much. I have so enjoyed chatting with you and I look forward to finally meeting you in person next year. And I wish you all the luck in the world for a successful and smooth book launch. Thank you so much. It's been really awesome. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out, Shadi. If you want to be like Shadi and get paid to be yourself in the cannabis space, submit your resume at whiteashgroup.com. White Ash Group is North America's premier choice for cannabis staffing, recruitment, and executive search. And if you're an industry trailblazer trying to figure out how to get your time back, White Ash Group provides pre-screened and vetted top-tier talent and custom hiring solutions so you can feel good building that team, that dream team, and more work-life balance. From roots to suits in the U.S. and Canada, visit whiteashgroup.com to learn more about cannabis staffing, recruitment, and executive search. Tell them Joe sent you.
And if you want to learn more about Shoddy's high vibe exploration of food, community, and culture, head over to the podcast 161 show notes to learn more. I'll also include a link there where you can purchase your limited edition hemp cookbook printed on hemp paper. All the recipes in Shoddy's book are vegan and gluten-free. Many recipes are also paleo and keto-friendly. One dollar per book sold will go to the Last Prisoner Project, and one percent of the proceeds are earmarked for the One Percent for the Planet initiative. As we enter the 2020 holiday season, I hope you find creative ways to honor both your culture and our planet. And if this podcast inspired you, I hope you'll share it like a good recipe with someone you love. And as this unprecedented year comes to a close, I hope you make time to reflect on both the beauty and the contrast you've experienced in 2020 and find reasons to be grateful for all of it. I am delighted to be on this journey with you, and I want to help build your can of confidence in ways that are meaningful for you. So email your can of curious questions through the website at casuallybaked.com. You can also DM me on social. I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you're picking up what I'm putting down, become a podcast patron for $5 per month at patreon.com backslash casually baked. And minutes before recording this outro, I received a message that I'm inspired to share. Hey, Joe, I love your podcast. You deliver your content so naturally and your podcasts are always packed with solid info and ideas. I am truly inspired by your professionalism, personality, and quality information. I have listened to several pot podcasts, and yours is one of only a few that I have stuck with. Your years of experience as a communicator are clearly evident. I have just started my own podcast called Pardon My Bluntness, which aims to do a lot of the same things you have done with your show. I'm wondering if you would mind me giving you a shout-out on my next episode. I ask nothing in return. I simply want to guide my listeners to other shows that provide great content and help people unlearn the propaganda that has so misled people when it comes to cannabis and health and wellness. Thanks for doing your thing so well. I will sure as shit keep listening. Thanks, Scott Anderson. So Scott, I know you said you ask for nothing in return, but... I was totally tickled pink by your message, and I love that my work inspires you and that you're picking up the torch for the cannabis community. And I'm quite certain I have more listeners than you right now since you're just starting out. So me and the rest of the Casually Baked Tribe will be sure to check out Pardon My Bluntness. Great name, by the way. There are so many ways to share support, show gratitude, and make connections. Whether it's preparing a healthy home-cooked meal, or writing a letter of appreciation to someone you admire, or giving a boost to someone who's just starting out, volunteering your time, or adopting a family during the holidays, it feels really good. There are so many ways to keep the inspired action going. So puff puff. Pass it on. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and mixing performed by Q9 Productions. 
The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey friends, I'm Brandon and I'm Saba and we are your host of the Cannabis Hangout podcast, an educational platform to connect with the cannabis community and share personal stories while breaking the stigma of marijuana. Join us every Sunday at 7 p.m. to gain valuable insight with different perspectives from industry leaders, growers, and medical marijuana patients. This is a place to learn so much from different angles in the cannabis industry. So tune in while we break it all down.